0: for Battle Day by Day, a ministry of LifeBridge Church. Welcome to our Men in Action at LifeBridge Church podcast. Today we're listening to the testimony of Steve Goodfellow. Morning guys, Um, those that don't know me, uh, I'm Steve Goodfellow. Um, I've been part of this church for seven years and um, I wanted to start by reading um, a little bit of Ephesians. And uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, for the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. The reason I wanted to read that is because some of you guys heard me arrogantly say, you know, this predestined, this, um, you know, he's going to call some and not call others. That's not my kind of God, my God wants everybody saved, and First Timothy says that first um, Timothy basically says that um, um, as Paul is talking about the intercessory prayer that this is pleasing to the God who calls everyone and who wants everyone to be a call to the truth in Christ, so you know somehow, as I was preparing to talk to you guys. Uh, The Holy Spirit showed me the truth of both of these. I don't know how it works. But I know that as I look back over my life, Christ has called me time and time again. And um, even though I was reluctant, yeah, you know, I can't say I was reluctant. Because um, I've never had that you know, July 13th at 11 a.m. 1996, you know, the Lord crushed me uh, until I got to this church. Um, but I was, you know, I grew up in the 50s and 60s, and we pledged allegiance to the flag and, and uh, said the Lord's Prayer every morning in public school in Atlanta, Georgia, Fulton County. Can you believe that? If you guys were young, you missed out on an era when when we were a Christian nation. So I never doubted there was a God. I never doubted that Jesus was the Son of God. I never doubted that um, that I was part of the club. And so I just kind of assumed that, you know? Um, well, uh, my home wasn't a particularly Christian home. It wasn't a non-Christian home. I mean, you know, my dad's language was not good. Um, but um, my mother took us to church now and then, um, but it was not a, a, a it was not a bad home, you know. And and unlike a lot of stories that that you guys have heard and will hear, until I got here, I never had a ment. At least I thought I never had a mentor. And I, you know, Gordon, of course, you guys know, is my mentor. And I had asked Victor Pereira the first year I was here. Um, would he mentor me? And um, he said, well, it doesn't work like that. you you got to have somebody older than you. And Gordon's the only guy in the church that's older than me, so <laughs> he got elected. And uh, thank God he did. Um, in January of 1962, three, four months into my senior year in high school, I got my girlfriend pregnant. And back then, you know, you married your girlfriend if you got her pregnant. But I remember, you know, this this is interesting, because this, this was a scary time, I mean, you weren't allowed to be in school um, if you were pregnant. And But I remember when Dee uh, Dee, my first wife, mother of my two kids, um, went to the doctor to find out if in fact she was pregnant, and I was officiating a basketball Game for the younger kids and and she and uh, she came into the arena and walked upstairs so I could see her, and she went like this, and just tears in her face, and I went I actually felt that was wonderful and, and i don 't know why, but uh, and it was wonderful and it was you know I have a wonderful son now that 's almost my age um, <laughs> And a daughter is a little behind him. But that experience, um, you know, preparing to get through, trying to get through and graduate out of high school, well, it was traumatic. Um, but because of that experience, it was the first time I really met the Holy Spirit, and I'll tell you why. Um, one of my ex-girlfriend's mother went to the principal and said, Dede Lozier's pregnant. And um, I don't know how she would know that because neither of us told anybody. Um, but there was suspicion. She didn't show. Um, so anyway, we get called into the principal's office. And um, uh, Mr. Vocalis said to Dee Dee, well, Dee Dee, you're going to have to go to a doctor and bring in a certificate saying that you're not pregnant to stay in school. And I'm 17, about to be 18. And... Where this wisdom came from, well, now you know. I said, Mr. Vocalis, her last name starts with L, it's Lozier. You can start at the A's or the Z's, and when all the girls, prior to her, bring in their certificates, she'll bring in hers. Well, it ended right there. And that wasn't me. Man, I I, I looked around after I said that. Where'd that come from? (laughs) Well, that was it. We eloped to a little town in North Georgia called Ringgold, which is one of those marriage mills, you know, and um, we got, I was supposed to be with my best friend going to Western Carolina University to try out for a football scholarship. I was a field goal kicker and a linebacker. Um, and, um, And Dee was supposed to be spending the weekend with girls, girlfriends, and so Um, we did that trip and uh, I came home and uh, about a week later my parents called both of us into their bedroom and um, my mother says my dad's sitting over there he's he's a great big gruff guy but a sweetheart Um, my mom says so you guys are married (laughs) how did you know this well um, uh, my mom said well when you came home and took all your laundry right into the laundry room and, and uh, took your stuff upstairs and cleaned up real roof- we knew something was wrong. <laughs> so uh, they called the Bureau of Labor Statistics and found that we'd been married. Um, and then my mom says, dear, are you pregnant? Yeah, that's it. You know. And they were wonderful. I mean, they were just so supportive and, and helped us get through those early years. We were married for 11 years. and. Um D had a rough background. Her her father had been married 5 times. When we were dating, her mother would bring home married men to spend the night in in a little 1100 square foot house next to D's bedroom and their grandmother in the back. So, you know, that was that was her um well, uh, she had a permissive thinking about her. And um in the six months that we were married and still in high school, my varsity coach said to D, "You can do better than him," not knowing we were married, not knowing she was pregnant. And uh, one of one of the one of the great lessons I've learned um, in my experience is that boy, words are powerful. And um, I set out from that point on to prove that no, she couldn't do better than me. And uh, so for the next 11 years, I worked full-time and went to college full-time. Um, carried 15 hours every semester. Um, I started to work at a an a Casualty insurance company in the stock room. And, you know, as I said the other night, you know, when you're that age, you think, you know, you'll, you'll start here, but in three years you'll be president, you know. Well, one of the guys been there 27 years. One of them been there 19 years in the stockroom. I thought, oh no, <laughs> life is over. So I started wearing a coat and tie, and in um, the stockroom, of course, they made fun of me. But as I was going around giving out mail and stuff. I looked good, you know, I'm dressed. And um, within six months, I got promoted out to get this junior fire underwriter trainee. <laughs> so, <laughs> And made $276 a month, um, and, um, which was, you know, not destitute wages, but close. Um, I rode the bus every day, left the house at 6 in the morning, got home at 11 at night. And I did that for 11 years. Well, during that 11 years, um, um, Dee had one or maybe several affairs, I don't know, but one that I know of, and we were divorced. And um, I accidentally left this out. Um, I went to, um, by that time, I was at Florida State, and I was a professor um, of risk management and insurance. I had worked my way through Georgia State. Um, While I was, uh, when I finished my master's at Georgia State, the uh, vice president of academic affairs, called me and said, would you like to come be my assistant and you can work, um, you know, I'll give you a raise. And leave the Etna, come over here. Um, and you can get your doctorate during the day. And uh, yeah, I'll do that. And for some reason, the, the president of the university took a real liking to me. Um, his name was Noah Langdale, a former All-American um, Tackle from Alabama, great big guy, and uh, he he wanted me to interview everybody that the university hired, everybody, and he interviewed them too. But before he interviewed him, he wanted to know what I thought of them. Well, one day in walks a guy who was uh, had applied to be the. Uh, um, the athletic director for the university and it was my coach the one that said she can do better than this i said hi coach remember me he said yeah i think so you remember dd Dee Dee lozier no you told her and he went white um and uh he said oh, i'm i'm yeah, i'm so sorry anyway i recommended him and um, uh, he was hired and we became great friends Uh, we played tennis really hard tennis i mean we would wail at each other and uh uh, but but he became became a pretty good athletic director for georgia state and, and got them on their on their way um after Dee and I were divorced, I, I got worse than she was. I mean, you know, here's a twenty nine year old divorced professor at Florida State and I don't even want to go into that. But um the uh Florida association insurance agents asked me to leave the university and come be their um education director and um I did. In and, and As I left the university and joined that group of men, uh, I can tell you I felt dirty. I I felt, you know, unworthy. And and, um, I left this out the other night, and I I shouldn't have. I married the boss's daughter at the Florida Association of Insurance Agents. And she was a good girl, a nice girl. I I was drawn to somebody. I, I guess I was. Uh, who was a good girl, and um, but her father was also my boss and very wealthy. And so, <laughs> what drew me, I'm not sure. But and I I feel really bad about that marriage because she didn't deserve to be married to somebody like me. Um, but I, I, you know. Her dad wanted to be the head of our household and I couldn't take that. And We got to a point where he looked over his 56 acres and he said, you see that lot right there? I said, yes, sir. He said, that's where you're building your house. I said, no, sir. Um, He said, no, you don't understand. I'm giving you that land. I said, no, sir. And I bailed. Um, And, and, you know, that was really empty time of my life. You know, it, it, what I when I was married the first time, we finally got into a, a church. I got very active in the Methodist church. I had said the, you know, put up the words and yeah, I'm a sinner and and you know, forgive me and and yes, I accept Christ as my savior. Did I I, I don't think so. I served in fact as the uh in the Methodist Church as the director of enlistment for the state of Georgia, helping young men get scholarships to Methodist colleges. But I think I was still trying to prove that I was better than that. Um, Anyway, after um, I was divorced the second time, oh God, the Lord's so faithful, I I met Lorna. And some of you know Lorna, Uh, she's magnificent. Um, Christian, beautiful girl, and she wouldn 't have anything to do with me um, uh, she you know and, and so she 's smarter than than some other people and i couldn't i couldn 't get i couldn 't get her to go out with me I mean here I was this flashy guy, you know when I was teaching, I had three hundred students as an elective because I made it fun, and you know I dressed in my Leisure suit and <laughs> 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 zip-up boots, and I was cool, man. And she didn't see that. Um, she, <laughs> saw, she saw me the way Christ saw me, and that wasn't pretty. But uh, the way I, I finally won Lorna over is is I made friends with her parents. Um, I had met them just accidentally at church, and... and uh, I actually even moved down here to Orlando, two blocks from her parents, and uh, and I worked at it, and I made her dad my best friend. He wasn't that much older than me. Lorna's <laughs> um, 16 years younger than me. Um, and then one Thanksgiving, she and and Michael still lived in Tallahassee, and uh, uh, Michael's my son, stepson. He's now. 37, um, but he was nine at the time. She walks in for Thanksgiving dinner, and there I am at the table. And um, a year later, we got married. And but I was, you know, I didn't, I don't know. I, I my problem has been arrogance. Um, it's always been arrogance, and it sneaks back sometimes. Um, we didn't have an easy marriage, I'll tell you. She. You know, when um, when the Lord broke me six years ago, I was sitting in my living room, and Lorna was, we were watching TV, and, and she was laughing about something on TV, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Lord <coughs> showed me who she was, and it broke me, man. Um... I, I, all this flashed before me. You know, we we'd bought a big house in Roswell, Georgia, an old um, an older cedar home, and I remember coming home and she had plastic all around this um, big fireplace, and she had been in there all day with a sander and goggles on, and she walks out and her face is white. Except for her mouth and her eyes, where the goggles were, and she had sanded that whole thing. She made a magnificent home. She's a great cook, um, and um, so, and then she she was was the caretaker for my mom and my dad. And then when um, when her dad died of cancer at home down here, she was down here for six months as his caretaker, and you know. It, what what I what hurts me and hurt her was that I didn't understand why I wasn't number one in her life, and the reason was is because I was number one in my life, and and so I couldn't understand why she didn't see what a great guy I was. Um, but she saw me through Christ's eyes, and. <clears throat> When I finally saw her through Christ's eyes, then I understood it. But, and that was after we moved here. She'd been actually listening to Gordon Anderson from Atlanta before we even knew we were moving here. And so when when the decision was made we were gonna move here, she knew she was gonna move to Winter Garden, or close by, couldn't afford the taxes here. Um, but I almost let her come here by herself. I almost said, okay, go. But thank God I didn't. When I got here um, and this event happened, and I could see it all clearly, you know, who I had not been my whole life. And um then, you know, Gordon has been a wonderful, been a wonderful friend and a wonderful mentor to me, um, and helped my growth immensely. And uh, you know, Ken has been a great help to me. Um, th- this class has done more for my growth, I think, than anything else. Um, getting to know you guys and and getting to know who I am in Christ. Um, I still make mistakes, you know. That arrogance pops up now and then. Um, Just a week or so, two weeks ago, uh, I was in the presence of one of our brothers who was in financial need, and I wrote a check, handed it to him, and without praying about it, without talking to Lauren about it, and, um, you know, because we had finally come to that place where we made all decisions together, so that was hurtful to her, Scary to her because, uh-oh, here he goes again, you know? Um, so we're working through that. But there are three things that, that I think I want to emphasize and that my walk feels deeply. In one is that in all the time, in all this time struggling to get here, not one man told me his story. Not, and I work with some godly men. Not one man said, Steve, let me tell you how I made Christ the center of my life. <clears throat> and I think if they had, Lorna's in my road and my prior road would have been much, much easier. So, guys, tell your story, man. Don't miss a chance. If somebody comes to your mind while I'm talking, boy, I mean, today, call them. Get with them. Um, secondly, uh, God does call you. I mean, I, I can think back hundreds of times when, when He has pulled me, and, and I've, I've always just been, you know, I think, have I been a Christian? I think so. Has Christ been center in my life recently? And very recently, and I'm 75. I mean, how many wasted years You know, I was a fat kid when I was in grammar school, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And those childhood experiences follow you. I mean, I've been on a diet now for 68 years. And, um, you know, I go to the gym because I don't want to be fat again. I mean, it's... So think of your experiences and and how they've affected you and think of words you said or the words you, you need to say. That could affect somebody's life forever i look at steve's kids i mean you know you can you can pick out one of the mclean kids walking through the church in fact when lauren and i were greeting a couple of weeks ago i said are you a mclean as he runs by he says yeah. <laughs> because they all have that presence you know and i wish i'd been able to give that to my kids and so steve's been a great mentor to his family it's just amazing um Third, never drop your guard. You know, put on the the full armor of God, and um, because Satan, you know, Satan took this blessing. And Lauren and I have had a great financial experience this year. I mean, uh, the Lord just blessed us in a big way. And so when I was in the presence of uh, this believer, a friend of ours, that, and I thought, well, God put me here, right? Um, but Satan can use a blessing as a as a weapon. And so be careful. Be on your guard. Thank you for listening. May God bless your day. We'd love for you to join us next week in person on Tuesday evening or Thursday morning for our My Story series or join us for our next podcast. Until then, God bless.